Hello and welcome to the Helping Hand podcast. My name is Pauline Shannon. I'm a mother of three and a reflex integration therapist. Each week I will be meeting someone who helps children and families. I will be asking them what they do and how they do it. We will learn how different therapies can help, how to choose which is right for you and how to find them when you need them. Good morning. This morning I'm talking to Darlene Smith from CVIT Therapies. Hi Darlene, thank you very much for joining me today on the Helping Hand podcast. I see you do quite a few different therapies at CVI Therapies. Can you please describe what you do and how it helps children and families? Yes, thank you, um, Pauline, for inviting me on here. It's really nice to have somebody else that understands how children develop. So, yes, at CVIT Therapy, we manage to do four different types of therapies that can integrate because as a human, we don't just be an ear or an eye or an head. We are a unit. So... What we try to do is to look at the whole development of the human being. So we work with children, but also with adults. So it's not just kids. So if anybody had a brain injury or like a stroke or an accident, we are also able to help these people late in life. And then for kids, especially if you had done OT and speech and all of those, but you still struggle at school, then we need to find the reason out why. So the first thing that we look at when we test children is to look at the primitive reflexes. So when we're born, we all have reflexes and they need to integrate. Now, for various reasons, these reflexes don't integrate, but that is the first port of call. So if we know somebody has some of the reflexes, like for example, the asymmetrical tonic neck reflex, reflex or the ATNR, we know there's certain aspects in school they will struggle with, like penmanship, accommodation, looking at the whiteboard, coming back, just sitting still. So all of that then have an effect in the schoolwork. So primitive reflexes is very important and that is the first thing we look at. Then I look at how your eyes work with the rest of your body. So that is to do with your ears, your growth and your fine motor. So when we look at your ears, we need to see if you are left or right ear dominant because that can have an influence in school. We also need to look if you use peripheral um, auditory sound because you don't just need eyes that goes peripherally but it also works with your ears and when people are born the first system and the only system that working is your ears and the first year you are guided by your ears so if kids have glue ears of a lot of ear infections that will impede in speech the way they crawl or not crawl and again primitive reflexes because they can have then if you have earache people then tend to turn to the ear And then your vision that comes in after year are also impacted. So funny enough, your ears are very, very important that first three years because you're auditory learner. When we work out that the auditory and we can do tomatoes therapy, that is a fantastic therapy. It works for kids who have ADHD. It works on autistic kids. It helps kids that has a difficulty with communication. It also works on your energy level and your vestibular. So it works on gross motor. It works on your communication and to make sure you have enough energy. And why that is so important to me to this therapy is because your ears actually give the energy that you're going to use to your brain. When we're awake, two-thirds of energy go to your vision. If your ears cannot give enough energy, that's the cortical energy that comes from your ears to your brain, then kids that has a difficulty with vision are more prone to struggle in school. So tomatoes is very good there for us to give energy to the brain. So when we do therapy and work on the vision side, 
the kids are not too tired and they can cope in school. Otherwise, you have the child at the first lesson or two lessons, they're very good. Handwriting is neat, they can concentrate. But straight after, the energy levels dip, their behavior deteriorate because they just cannot cope, they are tired. That is the child that even if they sleep enough, they're also tired at school. Because if your ears don't give enough energy to your brain, at night you cannot switch off. Because when you lay down, you think of the things that you should have done or that happened, then you want to talk about it. But you never had the time to do it in the day because you were too tired. So for tomatoes therapy, we use that to um, do a lot of different things. Now, when kids have trauma or adults, anybody who had trauma, that's also a reason why your peripheral vision and sound goes down. Anybody that's been through trauma has, is like a horse with blinkers on and they can't see the world. So for those therapies, we do safe and sound protocol for, of Dr. Porges and Symptonics. Symptonics is light therapy and it makes an unbelievable difference, difference for people that had trauma. It can be depression, anxiety, PSTD. There's, there's so many things under that heading. But once we've done then the, the tomatoes, um, oh, oh, sorry, the, the safe and sound and the um, symptonics, I still go back and do tomatoes therapy because that keeps the kids calm, that trains your brain to release the trauma while you still have the energy to keep going. So at the end of the day, even if we do the other therapies, we always finish that off with tomatoes therapy because that really helps children to move forward. And the most important therapy that I do is vision therapy because the way we do it is a behavioral optometry program combined with remedial therapy. So I have kids that's been to optometry and they have been to be a behavioral optometrist done therapy for nine months a year. And when I test them, they can still not do the remedial work. Unfortunately, many people see your eyes and if they, you have 20-20 vision, they think you should have no problem. And if you can diverge, and if you can converge, it should be fine. But that is not the problem. The problem is you need to have the ability to see inside your brain. That is where vision really happens. That is where sound happens. That's where you put sound and vision, your gross and your fine motor together. Because your eyes don't work just inside your brain. It works with your ears. So some of the small nerves in your ears are connected with your eyes. That's why when we do tomatoes therapy, we also see improvement in the vision because they are connected. Again, your eyes, your ears, and your whole body has to work together to be able to move around. So when kids have the ability to stumble and fall and bump into stuff, you need to see how two eyes are working together, binocular vision. So most of the time when you go to optometry, they only test monocular vision. You can have 20-20 in each eye. It does not mean that you have binocular vision. And unless you have two eyes working perfectly together, we do not need two perfect eyes, but you need two eyes working perfectly together, then you will struggle with reading, reading for meaning, comprehension, creative writing. And of course, math. Math is to do with space. So when every, anyone has a difficulty with peripheral vision, you know they will struggle with math. How to help people with that is to go back to primitive reflexes to get sure the reflexes are integrated. Once the reflexes are integrated, you need to understand your position in space. So I have a very difficulty 
um, when parents take kids to school and they cling on to the parent and the teachers say, oh, just take them off, they will be fine once they're in school. Unfortunately, that is not a reason to do that for a child because you create trauma. You create that child to be dragged off a parent, the parent of that child's eyes. So many times separation anxiety is not really separation anxiety. It's because they can't see where they are. They don't understand their space. And that is why it is important that we in school not put kids at school in four and say do formal education. But if you start before they, the summer term before, the summer holiday, before they go to school even, get somebody in and do primitive reflexes at home to prepare a child to go to school. It will be fantastic. The motor reflex is wonderful to get kids that tends to look like they have anxiety to help them to find their space because once they go from inside and open up, they can realize there's a whole world around them. Many people don't know that. So even adults I see that have to start the reflex when they always go like this, still have the primitive reflex, the moral reflex and other reflexes present. So that's why it is very important not to look just at what the child is doing now, but where it comes from. And unless we get all the systems sorted, so we have to start with all the primitive reflexes, make sure it's integrated, then look at your gross and your fine motor. But with gross motor, we don't just have big movements with arms. That's where you have laterality, cross-laterality, bilateral integration. Now, all of that just means that one side of the body must either work with the same side, like the right hand, right leg, or one side must equally be able to work with the other side. So your right arm, left leg, or right arm, left arm. So when you do puzzles and people look and see a child only use the left hand to do the left side and the right hand used to build the right side, and sometimes they will use two hands to put a puzzle in the middle, you know that child is not crossing the midline. And that stems from, again, primitive reflexes, ears not working, eyes not working. That child won't be able to read and write comfortably because they don't cross the midline. Then the kids get a funny posture. When children sit with a hand like this or turn their head, if you close the eye that's furthest away from the paper, you can see everything on the paper because this eye that is seeing the paper, see the whole paper. If you swap, and close the left eye, you can't see with the right eye. So that means that child is not looking with two eyes. He's only working with one eye. They don't have depth perception. You will not understand certain areas in math. You won't be able to write um, a paragraph, never mind an essay. Creative writing is very difficult. Kids will struggle with comprehension because you need binocular vision to understand what you read. And unless kids understand reading, they can't write or read for meaning and that makes life and school very difficult and again we can use tomatoes therapy there to help us to get a communication going to get auditory that's then peripheral and your vision that's peripheral together because your eyes and ears really gets together at eight, eight to nine and before i forget that's another reason why kids should not walk over a street on their own before age of nine because they actually can't hear and see peripherally that they, they, that just comes together there now, I, I know that I've been a few places that I talk, I always say, you have to hear to see and you have to see to hear. Unless you can hear what you see and see what you're hearing, you won't be successful in school. Because people need to hear a word and be able to write about it. Or you need to be able to read a word and make a picture of it. 
So if I say there's a hole in the wall, I know it's H-O-L-E. Some kids don't. They think W-H-O-L, so like a hole. Because what happens is when you have to connect auditory to vision, they don't make the little brackets. So if I say flower, most people can think of 10 or 20 flowers because you can see flower and a rose and a daffodil and a carnation and you can go on and on and on. If your ears don't work, you cannot make a visual picture. So kids say flower, rose, and it's a picture. Flower, carnation makes a different picture. Flower, um, daffodil make a different picture. They cannot see a picture with flowers in it that looks different. And if you're not able to do that, that's the kid that struggled to get the answer in the class or give a funny answer when the teacher asks because that's the first thing that came into their head. So the filing in the brain is not working. So it's not just what you hear, it's also your recall system that you need to have at optimum. So you have your hearing that then goes into memory. So the memory is as important as your recall. And once you can figure that out, kids don't struggle. So I have many, many kids that comes in as on the autistic spectrum or that are dyslexic. And once you do therapy, they actually tend not to be on the autistic spectrum. They tend not to have dyslexia. But the problem is if you only work with a very small field, you cannot see the page. You can only see little words. So when they start reading, it's not a problem because it's a big B and a D and a K and then little words in, on, at. So big, far, for is still easy. But the moment it becomes a sentence, that is when people struggle because your eyes have to go from left to right. And suddenly they can't do that because that only works in a small space. So that is the kid that starts reading with the head movement, body movement, or move the paper. And for me, that is sad when kids just get described as dyslexic and they get a special program and people don't investigate. There's so much to do. And again, primitive reflexes where they start crossing the midline, go from left to right, will already impact how a child reads before you even have to do visual therapy automatis there's other things that's the first call and that is where kids can be fantastic where they do physical exercises because when they're young they don't want to sit still and that is exactly what they should not do they should not sit still and if they have trained a person there that can show them what to do with the arm because sometimes one arm can do this and the other arm can go out. They don't know it because they don't realize there's a side to side. So you need somebody to help them to see the whole world. So if small kids have the ability to use their whole body, they normally integrate the, into the reflexes naturally. Sometimes you have to intervene because unfortunately there's really a, a lot of reasons why we can get back our primitive reflexes. Any shock, any bump to the head, any trauma, can bring it back at any age. So you should check that every year, basically, to see if kids still have all the reflexes integrated. I also think if reflex integration can become part of school, you will have less kids that are frustrated. Many kids are frustrated because they have the brain ability, but they don't understand why they struggle. They sometimes have the ability to say, listen to a friend next door, oh, this is what we should do. But the moment you say, do it, they don't know where to start. So a famous one for me is when kids come, they have all the ideas. They can tell you the loveliest story. And when you say, put it on paper, they say, I didn't know where to start. That is a child that's an auditory learner. So we have loads of types of learners, but most of them can be kinesthetic and tactile. You learn for your body. 
That is the crowd that likes to be the clown in the class, falling on the church, great knees, dirty hands, the pages in the book are fold over. That is the little naughty kid. That's not really naughty. They learn through their body. So they have to push and feel and touch. The auditory child is wonderful when you have Ofsted coming because they're the ones that are sitting in the class and listen because they have to hear to see. So they can answer the questions and they can ask the questions too. But those are, those are the ones that doesn't put it on paper. Then you have a child that needs visual clues. So she's a visual learner. They can't do anything unless there's an example on the board or they can see the card. Even if they don't need information, they need triggered through the visual system. Then you have the analytical. And the UK, unfortunately, serves only really analytical learners. But the population only is between 2 and 5%. That's analytical learners. That's the person that can take things apart, but don't always know how to put them together. They could always synthesize. So it's good to take things apart. But you also then need to be able to put everything together back in a whole. So those type of learners can take things apart and say each individual um, answer, but if they have to put it in a global, they can't. So what we really, really need long-term is to make a complete learner, somebody that knows how to use their body, fine gross motor skills, can use their ears, can use their visual system, because then you have somebody that cannot struggle. Anything that's thrown at them, they have the ability to sort it out and to work. And for me, that is important to get people to believe that if you have a difficulty even, it doesn't matter because it's not necessarily a disability. So kids that struggle with reading and writing, that's a difficulty. But if you have to write support and intervention, you can have a solution. And even if you might be a bit slower, you still will be able to read, to write, and then improve the skill. But I think so many times in the UK, people just think there's nothing that I can do. There's so many good therapists all over the country that can do so many fantastic work. And I think it's time in the UK that people can see that you have a difficulty, not necessarily a disability. And so I work with loads of kids with disabilities. And even those kids can learn to read and write and get a step higher than they even thought was possible. So for me, there's nothing that cannot be improved. It's very rarely I see somebody and think, oh, I can't do nothing for you. And if you have to write paper, because as I said, I will taste primitive reflexes, but I work with a team. I can't do everything myself. You will be surprised to see how quickly kids can improve. And for me, kids go to school too early for formal education. Now, if you need to put your kid at school in four, I don't have a problem with the age. I have a problem with what they teach at that age. Kit needs to do the right, the right age-appropriate tasks, if I can say it now more politely. So no reading should be done before the age of six, seven. You can recite words, that's not a problem. The same with writing, because dominancy can change up till six, seven before you have a dominant hand. So you can look like you are left-handed and suddenly you prefer your right-handed and you're your right hand and vice versa. You can look right-handed, but actually later you prefer your left hand. But that is a choice and a, uh, that you have to be made in your brain, not by you sitting in a classroom, you look right, now you have your pencil in your right hand. Because unfortunately that happens quite a lot where I get kids at seven, eight, and they don't have a dominant hand. And that makes it difficult because normally we have a dominant brain, you have a dominant ear, you have a dominant eye, 
you have a dominant foot and then a hand as well, because that also influences your learning profile. So if you don't have two hands, that one hand is dominant and one hand is not, it does make your learning profile more difficult because your laterality is then crossed and that makes it difficult. So you can have cross laterality if your right hand, right leg, left eye, that's actually good for sport, not necessarily for academics, but that is important that people have a dominant side of each one because we are a complete learner. And what we need to do is we have to make sure that all the systems work independently, but also as a unit. And once, if people can realize that when you start bottom up, so you start primitive reflexes when you're born, you make sure your auditory information works, then you become a visual learner. So you have tactile, kinesthetic, primitive reflexes, auditory, visual, then you're a complete learner. And you say kids that I have that their parents say they won't be able to pass and they pass at GCSEs, they do very well in A-levels and go to university. But that's just because we need to look at the whole human and not just a little bit here and a little bit there. So my job is when I get a child to see the whole person where all the gaps are and fill it in, not just to diagnose one area, because if there's one area, you know that it must be coming from somewhere. So that's in short what I do. That's amazing. Um, it's nice to hear such a structured approach and hope for everybody. You mentioned that you work with children and quite a lot of that was about school age children. You mentioned that you work with adults who, of course, are an integral part of family. So we're interested to hear about them as well. What's the youngest and oldest that you can work with? I can work with babies. So when somebody is born and they have a disability or a difficulty, we can start straight away with tomatoes because we have a belt that we don't necessarily have to have a headset. So we put the belt on the spine for kids that didn't sit or wasn't able to use their body suddenly start to move. So it's a fantastic piece of kit. Honestly, that is absolutely amazing to see how little babies that was preterm or just was born with disabilities suddenly can also start to work. With adults, I have parents that sit in and realize when I was at school, they had difficulty. And some of them actually did very well later in life, but they still felt that they didn't achieve their maximum or they still struggle with reading. So they come to therapy. The most adults I see had brain injuries. So it can be from an accident, it can be a brain tumor, um, it can be a stroke. So the, the oldest client I had was actually 91. So the person had a stroke, he was in a wheelchair, we did vision therapy, we did tomatoes, and by the end of the day, he could walk again and he could read. Because many parents, as we grow older, our facial structures actually can change and one side can start to protrude and the other side can start to go backwards. There's no reason or rhyme, but your skull change, your eye position. So if people take photos in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you will actually see how your eyes change. So many people, 50s, 60s, start struggling to read and they don't want to read anymore. But the moment we can actually identify if there's an eye higher or lower and you can give them a tint or you can put on a glass lens that has a prisma to pull the eye down, they can read again. So there's a lot of different things that we can look at to help people. So yes, there's no age you cannot help. I know some people say, if you're seven and you haven't done any eye work or you haven't done certain brain areas, then you can't develop it. It's absolutely not true. I have stroke patients that can walk and read and talk. Unfortunately, depending on where the stroke is, speech is always the one that is the last bit to improve for a stroke patient. 
But with tomatoes therapy and with the safe and sound protocol, we give them the chance to make new pathways and then just to work in areas that they we, we improve the speech. So we start like you would learn to, to talk when you were a baby. You have a go, la, 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 sa, 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 all the different things because depending on well on which side you had the stroke, because with language, in the brain, language are different areas. So I'm Afrikaans, so my Afrikaans native language is in one side of the brain, where English is a different one. So language is not on the same side of the brain. And that's why when people have an accident, sometimes they cannot speak the native language, but I can see they speak the secondary or third language. That's the reason. And I think that is a fantastic the way we were made, that if you hit your head, at least you won't or not necessarily lose all your speech. But yes, so I work with all ages. And um, the, the best thing for teenagers, when they come in, I think I always just thought I was stupid. And suddenly they can start doing math. That's the first thing improving. Math is always the first subject that improves. Um, and then in, in group two, handwriting, sport improves. And then the spatial orientation. So different areas in math. And if we've done certain lessons in group two for the first time ever they understand timetables because they just never understood it. It's space, math is space. And once you can see around you, it's incredible how you develop and how you, you want to do more. The most complex thing is English language and language only when we finish in group four gets everything together. That's why I always say the human, everything comes together. And that's why I'm not prone to phonics in the UK because English is not a phonetical language. Where Afrikaans is what we see is what we say. But English is different. English is a language you learn as you grow older. So unfortunately, you get quick readers if you do phonics. But for me, you don't get readers for life because they can't, they, they, it, it's a different approach. So I think if they have different approaches, then it will be better for English kids because currently people in Europe test better in English than the English people themselves. And for me, that is wrong. It should be different. It should be your language. It should be your, and um, you the king and the queen of that, that speciality. And I honestly believe it's just the way they teach kids. If we can change reception year one, year two, there is no reason why 80 or 90% of kids will test dyslexia or have a difficulty with something. I do believe if we change just by doing more gross motor skills, getting primitive reflexes integrating, using your body, use your brain differently, music, rhythm, rhymes, poetry, um, being outside, we will have much less kids struggling in the UK. Um, my biggest worry, is that we don't prepare kids for university. Because the other day it came out, it, it was like one out of every two children and at university, so all young adults, basically at university had mental health difficulties. And I believe it's the school system that is not preparing kids for sometimes disappointment. Because in the UK, everybody is the same, we're all winners. It's actually not the right way to approach education. And I do think that there should be a system that you need to have a certain level to pass on or you just have to do extra work to get there. I'm sorry, I need to interrupt you. We're running out of time. Right. So if there are people out there who'd like to know more about what you do and where you're based and how they can see you, how do they do that? We are based in um, between New Malden and Wimbledon. So I'm very easy to find on the A3. 
Um, and I have a website, cviotherapy.com, and obviously they can um, email or, or text me. Um, uh, yes, and um, I, I really just like to work with people and show them what they can do and how and what they can achieve in life, to be honest. And that not just children, adults as well. Do you do all your work face-to-face or are some of your therapies available online? Some of the therapies we can do online, Tomatis, SSP, and even Syntonics. Vision therapy is one-to-one and we do it in the office. I do also programs where people come in the holiday and we can do a more condensed program to get kids faster through the program. The results are the same at the end of the day. We just do more intensive work. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm really sorry that we've run run out of time. I hope people will look up your website and see all the rest of the information that's there. No, thank you, Pauline, for having me. It's lovely to speak to people that understand how children develop and humans. And want the best for them. So it was lovely. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Helping Hand podcast, connecting families with help and support when they need it. If you want more information or to find a therapist near you, go to helpinghandonline.co.uk.